Well, here we are. It's Thursday. My gosh, it's been a while since I've been here. It's uh, the Pure Pelka podcast. Thanks for checking me out. I've, I've been away. I got sick. I got a cold that went straight to my throat. And this is the best my voice has sounded in four days. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. Sinus, all that mad stuff. And I was a miserable guy. So I couldn't speak. And I was whiny and cranky. Feel bad for my wife. She had to deal with it. But I'm back and I'm feeling better. I feel almost 100%, but my voice is still at about 65, 70%. I'm going to give it a go today because there's just so much stuff going on. So much stuff going on. Yes, tonight we have this this madness, this primetime kangaroo court hearing that the left is orchestrating with the assistance from a former head of ABC News. They hired a television producer to come in and spice up their January 6th hearing, which we know is Bravo Sierra. It's a selective picking of information to try and push their agenda. And it's not bipartisan. Pelosi completely engineered the the committee excluding the two people that the GOP wanted on the panel and pushing them out. Jim Jordan would have been absolutely a beast in that hearing, but he's not allowed to be there. So you're going to see what Pelosi wants you to see and nothing else. And it's all meant to keep Donald Trump out of the 2024, possible 2024 presidential campaign. All of this. This is madness. And I will watch it so you don't have to. Watch other stuff. Watch entertaining stuff. Watch things that will make you smarter, not angry. Because this will certainly make you angry. And I'll get to some of the things about it. But we have bigger stories to cover. We have to cover what happened yesterday. And I'm not going to say the guy's name. The young Democrat who was arrested outside Justice Kavanaugh's home the guy who admitted to police he was there to break into the house and kill Justice Kavanaugh and then kill himself. He's obviously got mental problems, but he's a, a, a man with murder on his mind. And what was he mad about? He was mad that the Supreme Court decision yet to be rendered about Roe v. Wade would prevent the killing of babies. He was mad about that. So he wanted to kill a conservative Supreme Court justice. I want you to think about that. As another Democrat with violent tendencies, California, radical Democrat, got his hands on a firearm, went to D.C., well, to Maryland, it's a D.C. suburb, and he was going to break into Kavanaugh's home. That was his idea. He's already admitted this. And the the fact that we should have had protection for the uh, justices, but we don't because Nancy Pelosi won't advance the Senate bill is just preposterous. The Senate passed a bill weeks ago, weeks ago. It was unanimous saying we need to authorize additional protection security for the Supreme Court justices, but the bill is sitting on Pelosi's desk. She is blocking it. Now, why did this happen? Well, people are very upset that they might lose the right to kill babies. I know abortion is a a toxic issue, but 
you know, we've come a long way since Roe v. Wade. We understand more about the development of a child inside a woman. And so these people who want abortion on demand up until birth, to me, they're murderers. And you can have your own decision on this. But if the law is the law, you have to respect it. Not so in the case of Democrats. Two years ago, Chuck Schumer actually put out a threat to um, Justice Kavanaugh. In front of the Supreme Court, he went in front of the Supreme Court building and said this. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. You won't know what hit you. Yeah. Schumer has not apologized as of this recording. He might be. He might be apologizing today, but he should, shouldn't he? He should stand up and apologize. Or he should at least quietly apologize to the justice because that is unconscionable. Absolutely unconscionable. And uh, back in May, when the protests started outside of the homes of the Supreme Court justices, Chuck was asked about the protest in a uh, press event. Go ahead, Manu. So that was Manu Raju, who he called Manu. Nice job on the name. Uh, Manu Raju asking, are you comfortable with the protests outside of the homes of the Supreme Court justices over the weekend? Now, it was already illegal to do that. It's against a federal law to protest outside the home of a Supreme Court justice. But the feds aren't paying any attention to that. And apparently, neither is Chucky Schumer on that. Is he uncomfortable? If protests are peaceful, yes. My house is, there's protests three, four times a week outside my house. That's the, uh, the American way to peacefully protest. Now, uh, his phone went off there. His phone was ringing. He made a joke that it was his wife. I doubt there are protests outside Chuck Schumer's house three to four times a week, or we would have heard about it. It would have been news. I've never heard. I've heard about the protests outside of Pelosi's house. We've heard about the protests outside of Tucker Carlson's home. Never heard one about a protest outside of Chuck Schumer's home. I suspect that's a lie. Bravo, Ciara. Now, before she left, Jen Snarky, the former press secretary, claims the protests were peaceful. And she encouraged them. Seriously. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes. Yeah. So she encouraged it. Never mind the fact that it's against the law. We encourage it outside of justice's homes. Encourage. Hmm. And then uh, KGB, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the, the awful replacement for Jen Snarky, says the threats to justices and judges are from both sides. Are they? Really, are they? Supreme Court justices will certainly be, you know, potentially targeted by violent extremists who are angered over this pending ruling that is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. Now, why will they certainly be targeted? 
Why? Why do you accept that? They will certainly be targeted. Well, if you know they'll certainly be targeted, why shouldn't they then be protected? I'll let her finish. This is an extremely passionate issue. There are emotions on both sides. Federal officials have made clear over and over they believe the risk truly comes from both sides. No, it doesn't. It seems to be always radical, leftist, violent Democrats who are out killing or trying to kill. And the left side of the mainstream media mocks the GOP on this topic. We've seen the right outraged over peaceful protests outside of justices' homes. Republicans were attempting to distract and deflect by moaning about peaceful protesters outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. These events have been no more raucous than an elementary school recess. But that's not what you've been hearing from some Republicans. It's sickening when you hear these people. It's against the law. Why are you allowing this? Against the law. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind the law. It's not following what we want to happen. CNN has even gone so far as to um, basically set up the opportunity, the possibility that there will be violence involved in the midterm elections. Now, why would you even bring that up? We were worried about the fact that you're going to push the mail-in voting again, the endless mail-in voting scam, and use monkeypox or a COVID surge to do it again. But no, CNN now is, is talking about violence in the midterms. Why? I wonder, for folks watching at home now, should they be concerned that these midterms coming up might be marred? by violence? We all should be concerned about the midterms being harmed and all public officials should be concerned about their own safety. The fealty to Trump continues and the encouragement to the white supremacist and the terrorists to to be involved continues. Hmm. Seems like they're creating a problem that doesn't exist or possibly signaling to violent people, hey, maybe you want to jump on this. It's okay. We're expecting it. It kind of flows hand in hand with this hearing that's starting tonight. Mainstream media's left side highlighting the hearing. This week's hearing, the January 6th hearing, which surely are the most important hearings since Watergate. These hearings are going to be quite compelling. I think they understand the importance of leveraging live television um, to to convince uh, the American public uh, how serious this was. We have this committee investigation coming up, which, again, if you really love America, if you believe in American democracy, if you're a patriot, you want to know what happened on January 6th. Yes, and if you really are a patriot who wants to know what happened on January 6th, you would want a fair accounting, including both sides asking questions. And you would want the release of all the information. And you would want to know more about the shooting of the only person who died on January 6th, and that was the unarmed Ashley Babbitt who was shot and killed while trying to break into a part of the Capitol. She should have gone to jail. Did she deserve murder for that? Did she deserve to be shot dead? I don't think so. The answer is we're not going to get the answer because you've only got one side 
handling this. It really is shameful. Speaking of shameful, last night, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. sat down with a member of the mainstream media. He appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel show last night. He was on with Kimmel, and it's not exactly journalism that was going on. This was more like an infomercial. Jimmy Kimmel being the hype man talking to the guy that was at the head of the company that created whatever product they were selling. Now, keep in mind, Joe hasn't done a press interview in 120 days, 122 days. And Kimmel tries to, you know, have some fun with it. It's wonderful to have you here. Good to be back, Jimmy. I thought maybe you wanted me to just stay on Fox all the time. (laughs) You know, they're very concerned that I might not ask you serious questions. So So, right out of the blocks, Joe Biden has a little attack on Fox by saying, Jimmy, I'm glad to be here. You know, I was concerned you wanted me to stay on Fox all the time. Have you been on Fox, sir? No, you haven't. And then Kimmel throws it back saying, well, you know, they're concerned I might not ask you serious questions. Anyone think there was a serious question asked last night? No, there wasn't. And were the questions actually new to Joe? No, they weren't. They had them days ahead of time, so they had time to look at the questions, form the answers, and then drill them through Joe so he might actually remember them. Here's the rest of that little moment. Uh, Joey. So I might not ask you serious questions, so I don't want oh, you know. I really ask serious questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I don't wow. want to upset them at all. Do you mind if I ask you some serious questions? Because this is, um, unfortunately. I never mind having a conversation with someone really smart. Well, uh, Guillermo. Unfortunately, you're on with Jimmy Kimmel. So you're going to be let down for that one, sir. Okay, they proceeded to talk about a couple of different things. Last night, they proceeded to talk about, of course, climate change. And Joe wants us to know that he's been pushing them electric vehicles for a long time now. Well, on climate change, we've actually made some real moves. I mean, we have we have, you know, one in seven of all the changes that have taken place in terms of solar, wind and and and, and wind pumps. And I mean, uh, pumps and like uh, have occurred in the last 18 months. We've moved, and there's an opportunity with the process we have dealing with energy to be able to gradually move more rapidly than we have been to alternatives. For example, electric vehicles. Jimmy, when I got elected, I, you know, I've pushed electric vehicles for the last, I don't know, God knows how long. You don't know how long, and you can't move gradually, quickly. That's not what's going on here. He's in direct contradiction with himself. And what is one in seven? What was the big? I, I got to hear the very beginning of that again. One in seven, what? Well, on climate change, we've actually made some real moves. I mean, we have, we have you know, one in seven of the, all the changes that have taken place in terms of solar, wind, and, 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 and wind pumps, and I mean, uh, pumps and like, uh, have occurred in the last 18 months. Nobody understands that because there's nothing there. It's empty rhetoric. He's just filling time and filling space. It's absolute piffle. And then there was the economy. Joe wants us to know that everything's great in the economy. Look, here's where we are. We have the fastest growing economy in the world. The world. The world. 
Saying it three times doesn't make it impressive, especially when the economy actually shrank in the last quarter. That's not something to brag about, Joe. That's not something your your dad would say, Joey, talk about that. That's a good thing. They got around to uh, guns, too, of course, because the, the whole purpose of this, this infomercial, was to promote voting based on gun control and abortion. you got to make sure that this becomes a voting issue. It's got to be one of those issues where you decide your position on the issue of senator or candidate for House or Senate on what we're going to do on us with assault weapons and how have to have, maybe they'll have 300 rounds in a magazine. and mag, I mean, what you say on those things is going to determine how I'm going to vote for you. 300 you to- rounds in a magazine? Is anyone talking about that, Joe? No. They got to executive orders, too, and this is something that I thought we should do a little bit of uh, fact-checking on this because Joe, Joe was wrong. Joe was telling a fib, and I don't know if anyone's going to call him out for that. Can't you issue an executive order? Trump passed those out like Halloween candy. Yes, sir. Isn't that something that could happen? Well, I I have issued executive orders within the power of the presidency to be able to deal with these, everything having to do with guns, gun ownership, whether or not you have to have a waiting, all all the things are within my power. But what I don't want to do, and I'm not being facetious, I don't want to emulate Trump's abuse of the Constitution. So Trump's abuse of the Constitution, as Joe calls it. Joe Biden is averaging 67 executive orders per year. So far, 67, including 37 in his first week in office. 67. Donald Trump averaged 55 per year. So who's abusing the Constitution, Joey? Who's abusing the Constitution? I think you need to look in the mirror, sir. And then Joe stepped into an area that he's very familiar with, and that's the area of his his brain being confused. Joe's brain gets wrapped, and the longer they go on these interviews, the farther Joe steps off the beam. And I'm sure they were getting nervous back in the comms room watching this, or in the green room at ABC. I don't even know how Joe drifted from the topic into this crazy rambling. uh, I don't even know how to explain this. Oh, I'm serious. You turn on the TV. Look at the ads. When's the last time you saw biracial couples on TV? When's the last time you saw the way? I mean, people are selling products. They do ads to sell products and they sell products when people they appeal to people. This generation is going to change everything. We just got to make sure we don't give up. So. Joe's talking about biracial couples and TV ads. Uh, that's been going on for quite some time. You're the only one who seems to be amazed by that. But then again, you're the guy who voted against desegregating schools because you didn't want your kids to go to school in what you called a racial jungle. Joe drifted into more incomprehensible discussion when he said the following no so, question. So there's about a it. lot of major things we've done. But what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is. Uh, um, let me say it another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Yeah, well, we haven't been able to communicate but it. But look how the press has changed. Mm-hmm. Look how the press has changed. It has changed. Oh, listen, it, I, I get it. I know you, get, you overstand it. 
Yeah. You don't just understand it, you overstand it. <laughs> but here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a, um, yeah. even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on, on, the, on nightly news. Mm-hmm. What? So instead of asking a question, anyway, it just, everything gets, gets sensationalized in ways that, but I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through it. And one of the things, look. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll talk a little bit more, I don't if you don't mind. You. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have some of those commercials. I, 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 I we have some biracial commercials we need to show. So nope. what, what's really interesting here, Joe starts to fall off the beam, and Jimmy Kimmel is his enabler. Let's go through this again. This is where Joe drifts, and Kimmel throws him a life preserver at first, but Joe doesn't seem to get it right. So Kimmel has to go to commercials. So they give Joe another hit of Prevagen or Red Bull or the combination thereof. Check this out. No so, question So there's about a it. lot of major things we've done. But what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is... Uh, um, make me say another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Yeah, well, we haven't been able... What's kind of perfect about saying you haven't been able to communicate it? He just said you've done a lot of major things. And if you can say the major things, Joe, that would be good. But we're not able to communicate it because there aren't any. The rambling continued with the help from Kimmel. Mm -hmm. Look how the press is. It has changed. Oh, listen, I I get it. I know you get you overstand it. You don't just understand it. You overstand it. That's a stock line, (laughs) stock line there. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a, um, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on, on, the, on nightly news. Mm-hmm. So instead of asking a question, anyway, it just, everything gets, gets sensationalized in ways that, but I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through it. And we- That's another stock line. Joe, when you get lost, just say, I'm convinced we can get through this. We have to get through this because we're America. We have to, and at this point, somebody's whispering in Jimmy Kimmel's earpiece, or they're holding up a sign that says "break, break, break." Have to get through it. And one of the things, look, I'm going to take a break, and then we'll talk a little bit more. I don't, if you don't mind. You. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have some of those commercials. I, I, I we have some biracial commercials we need to show. It's awful. What happened last night on ABC was awful. And Jimmy Kimmel, you really should be ashamed of yourself. That was just terrible. I, I, I need some help. I need some hope. I need a little inspiration. I need a little winner's wisdom. I'm going to take a break when we get back. Jim Stovall with some winner's wisdom. He'll help me get down off this ledge. It's Michael Pelka on the Pure Pelka podcast. God help us. Once again, my voice is almost back. It's not quite. It's almost back. And I'm going to push on, press on as we must, because life won't stop. So I'm not stopping either. And that means we get time with our friend Jim Stovall, the guy who is uh, an author with 70 books on the shelves in the library, bestsellers everywhere you look. He's also the man behind the Narrative Television Network and great works of philanthropic efforts helping people everywhere, and he's a public speaker. And each week, Jim talks to us about his winner's wisdom column, and I'm excited about this week. And um, 
Uh, Jim, first of all, thank you for dealing with the delay in talking with me because I, I didn't have a voice this week. And uh, I, I'm just thrilled you're here. Well, uh, you are worth the wait, and 80% of Mike Opelka is better than anybody else. So wow. I'm glad we're here. Well, thank you. Um, I, I, I love that. I'm going to write that down. That may be on a T-shirt somewhere uh, in my collection for my wife to wear. Uh, Jim, uh, I'm fond of the musical Pippin, and there's a, a line in there somewhere that says, there's one thing to be sure of, there's nothing to be sure of. And uh, that's one of the great expectations I have in my life is that there's so much that we can't ever be sure of, but this week's column deals with expectations. Yeah, it's called expecting expectations. And, you know, we live with our reaction, but our reaction is not as much to reality as our reaction is to our expectations. And, uh, you know, and I've had people tell me, well, Jim, I, I have no expectations. So I always ask them, you ever meet anybody on the phone and you have several conversations, then you meet in person for the first time, and you either think this person looks exactly like I thought they would, or you think they look nothing like I thought they would. And, you know, we are living with our expectations. That's what creates that. You, 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 you go to the doctor, and if he tells you, now, Mike, this is going to hurt a little bit, and you know, and then it's not so bad. Okay, well, I expected that, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. If he said, you won't feel this at all, and then you feel a twinge, you think, well, what? that's that's bad. You know, that's very, very bad. And, you know, I, I, I recount the time. I, I have over 2 million miles flying with one airline, so I, I'm quite often on an airplane. I thought I'd experienced everything, but uh, I remember not that long ago I was on a flight, and the pilot comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, we just fueled up, and they, they failed to put equal amounts of fuel in the t two uh, wing tanks. So there's too much on one side, not enough on the other, and instead of having them take fuel out and move it around, we are going to just pump it over as we're taxing around and as we're taking off, and you may hear a noise, and that's what it is. Well, that's great. Then all of a sudden we hear this noise, and I was so thankful because I thought the, the, the wheel assembly had fallen off or something. But, <laughs> you know, but because he set the expectation, it, it didn't really bother me too much. So, you know, and when this is true when we manage our friendships, our family, our, 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 our spouses, our colleagues, our customers – Everything, what we really manage is expectations. And I, I spend a lot of time talking to money managers. i am be on the road here in a few days. I'll be talking to people that help people manage their money. Managing money is simple. It's very easy. It does the, it's always got 100 pennies and a dollar. It does the right things. It does what it's supposed to do. It's managing people and their expectations. That's what's difficult. And, uh, you know, and this always comes up when you talk to people about, well, how do you feel about risk? Well, I don't mind taking a risk if I don't lose my money. <laughs> well, you know, that that's kind of one of those things. So, you know, life is about understanding the expectations we place with others. But more important, we need to understand the expectations we have. I, I just t returned from my family reunion and uh, took my soon-to-be 91-year-old father with me, and it was in a a place in Missouri near where he grew up. Well, they have a historical society there, and uh, they heard that my father was going to be there. So they said, could we interview you? We'd like to 
talk to someone that lived through the Great Depression in this part of the country. Mm. Well, my father, they brought out and they filmed him, and it was great. But he said, you know, I never felt poor because everybody around us, we were all kind of the same. It's just, you know, we we were kind of meal to meal, and we made it. He said, I never went hungry, and, you know, that's kind of the way things were. And, uh, and it, you know, it just... And, you know, poverty is a relative thing for, for Americans, for the people listening to us here in America. Poverty is relative. Uh, now, you get around the world, it's a real thing. But here, you know, we feel poor because uh, the guy down the street has a newer car, bigger house, whatever the case may be. But in, in reality, we're all wealthy here in America in a global sense. But uh, we have to manage those expectations. Yeah, uh, this is such an important topic. And everybody has expectations, and we all have to realize that. And they're not all the same. And that's what Jim's bringing up in this week's Winner's Wisdom column. And I look at politics, Jim, because most of my day is spent looking at politics, as you know. And the expectations that politicians set for us are often so high. I feel like it's that uh, thing you mentioned in the column, the oversell and then under-deliver, because nobody's ever able to live up to all the promises they make on the campaign trail. And I, I always say, why don't you give us a little less on the hype and more on the actual delivery? That's what I think I'd be more attracted to. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, the, the prevailing uh, thought is it's hard to get elected that way. You know, life comes down, for, in my world, to two two emotions there are two ways you can go one is endowment and one is entitlement and you know i that is do we think everything's a gift that's been given to us or do i deserve everything and uh, you know and uh, here in our country we're endowed with certainly an inalienable rights among these life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that's what you 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 get you are endowed with that but you know, I look at my day, if I'm having a bad day, if I'm resenting something, I invariably, if I'll be honest with myself, I think I'm entitled to something I didn't get. I had an expectation that has not been met. But if I start my day, everything's a gift. Everything has been given to me. I am a blessed person. I am counting my blessings as I go through this day. I'm expressing gratitude. Man, I have a good day. And But when I start resenting things, it's like, I'm entitled to this going my way, and things don't always happen that way. Yeah, uh, the the entitlement to class has been a uh, a wake up call for me because I catch myself thinking, "Wait a minute, I I just thought I was entitled to something when I wasn't." So I, right. I I'm glad you focus on that too. I think that's just one of those things that's crept into our society is the entitlement thought, and once you get away from that. Everything else is a bonus. Everything else is a win. My, my late mother used to say, every day is a gift. That's why we call it the present. So um, oh, exactly. I look forward to each day, even the ones that are a little more challenging. Well, and as you deal in your uh, swamp of, uh, of politics, you know, I, I think so much in our society changed when we used to call things charity or relief or aid and we started calling them entitlements. You're entitled to this. Well, no, people pay taxes, and you're getting a disproportionate share of the pie. Now, I think there are people we need to help, and that's what we need to do. But I don't think we do them or us a favor 
by calling it other than what it is. You know, this is help. It's a hand up. It's it's whatever we decide to call it. But to, to, to start out with, this is an entitlement. Everybody's entitled to this, you know. And I hear people on the floor of our house saying things, you know, every American is entitled to, uh, you know, the greatest life ever. I, I, I didn't see that. I saw life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what That's what we're endowed with. But to start saying, you know, every child is entitled to, to free college. Every American child should get free college. Everybody's entitled to get their loans forgiven. Everyone's entitled. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't see that anywhere. Yeah, it's not in that pesky little document called the Constitution. And, and this week is the, uh, I think it's the 73rd anniversary of uh, 1984, which seems to have become more of an operating manual for some people in Washington than the Constitution. And uh, I took us off topic here, Jim. Uh, today's Winner's Wisdom column, this week's Winner's Wisdom column is about expecting expectations. And you need to look at what you're expecting every day and understand the importance of expectations. And I will expect Jim Stovall to be here next week with another brilliant column to uh, discuss. Is that a good expectation for me, Jim? I will, I will expect to be here, and I will expect you to sound more like Michael Pelka than whoever this person is. I have no idea whose voice this is, but I wish he'd take it back. Yes. 